You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. In this episode, we explore a job you may not have thought much about, but it's definitely one that has shaped the state of business here in the Corridor. Eastern Iowa Airport Director Marty Lenz has spearheaded the phenomenal recent growth of our airport, but like any other business during the pandemic, his industry is navigating unprecedented challenges. I sat down with Marty to talk about what it's like to shift into near survival mode as the world, and certainly the travel industry, changed almost overnight. Marty also shared the story of his first airplane ride and how that launched him into a career of managing airports, his take on why transparency is critical in business, and what we can expect airports to be like when the pandemic is over. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Marty, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join me here. Um, you know, airports are something that that all of us, or at least most of us uh, out there, whether we're traveling, I got four young kids and you're, you know, traveling with them for leisure, family vacations or for business, but we all interact with these, with airports, right? And they're, and they're complex organisms. You've got bags flying everywhere. You've got <laughs> obviously airplanes coming in and food and beverage and security and trains and shuttles and you name it. It's, uh, these are complex beasts I and mean, these are creatures right and um, I can only imagine what it what all goes into a day or a month or a year or a quarter in terms of managing one of these these organisms um, talk a bit about some of the key tenants from you in airport management uh, you know what what makes a successful manager of an airport what what, what all goes into that <laughs> well I think um, a lot of it starts first and foremost with the team right and getting Getting the right people in the right seats and and uh, working hard on the culture uh, of the organization and um, uh, having team accountability, having uh, folks that aren't um, hesitant to make decisions on their own. Um, there's uh, we got to be nimble. There's always ups and downs in this business. Uh, we're at the tip of the spear, so to speak, with the economy. So if you look back through the history of aviation, there's always ups, downs, uh, uh, no pun intended, but uh, uh, there's always good times and bad times. Uh, we went through consolidations several years ago, of course, 9-11. Uh, so you have to have an industry and a culture that's very nimble. Um, I think it's important uh, to have a team that's not afraid to, to take risks. Um, even if there's mistakes made, it's okay. Let's not be afraid to try something new, make a mistake, back up and learn uh, from that and keep moving forward. Um, so that's, that's um, I think, key to it. I think, uh, like any business, relationships are huge. And we've got a lot of outside entities that influence our business um, from the FAA to TSA to local elected officials, federal elected officials, um, our various 
business communities and, and corporate flyers. So it's important for us to stay engaged in the community in a very broad way. So, you know, that's about relationships and, and being, I think, good to people, treating them right, you know, and pray for a lot of good weather. We, we have our <laughs> ups and downs here in Iowa, yeah. that, you know, um, sometimes stress and airports are kind of synonymous for, for folks that are traveling. Can you talk a bit about that and maybe how your team approaches stress or how to make the airport or the flying experience less stressful for folks? Is that something you guys actively talk about? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I sometimes equate, you know, running an airport a little bit like owning a business on main street, but you don't get to set the hours of the operation. You don't get to, you don't get to set the actual product that's being sold <laughs> and you don't get to set the customer service level. Uh, but you got a hundred percent accountability to the outcome. Yeah. You get everybody so, screaming at you, blaming you, right? Everybody. Yeah. So, you know, lost bags, we hear about that. You hear about ticket prices. You hear about, um, you know, a de-icing operation maybe didn't go as smooth as everybody would have liked to have seen, or everybody's got a story about O'Hare, right? If I had a, a nickel for every O'Hare story I've heard, I, I, could, I could retire, right? <laughs> um but we've really engaged it from I think a bit different perspective than some in the industry in that we look to take direct um ownership of it. Uh we're in a small market. Uh we're gonna run into people at the grocery store, at church, the ball game or whatever, uh, where they're gonna want to talk to us about their travel experience. Sometimes they're fantastic and and that's great. We love to hear about those. And other times it wasn't very smooth and maybe it was weather or maybe it was de-icing. But we want to uh, really try to drive that customer service experience and not as best as we can and not just hand it off to, well, that's an airline issue or that was a TSA issue or that was a rental car issue. Um, so what, what we've done, so our, we've set up a guest services team that's new, a little bit unique. We've, we've been at it now a couple of years. Great. So all of your uh, curbside valet parking experience or wheelchair assistance, those are airport commission team members. Hmm. Um, we also have created a customer service training that we provide all of our airport security badge holders. So if you have an airport security ID, you have to go through an airport customer service training. That's it awesome. doesn't replace, you know, say TSA's training or Delta or Frontier's training. Um, but it sets um, a bit of our expectation level as an airport. Um, what we want all of our team members in the terminal, even those that aren't our direct employees, to engage in the customer. It's not perfect by any means, but we strive and work at it every day to make it the best we can. And we want, if a a complaint comes in, we're going to call that person back. We're going to have a personal touch to that um, and try to deliver to the best of our ability a service recovery um, in a way that we can influence. So um, it's, yeah, it's stressful and, and we hear about it a lot with our team. You know, we'll have the debate of, of well, it's not our issue. The de-icing problem wasn't our issue. Yeah, but um, we need to to engage with what happened. We need to talk to the station managers and find out 
could we have done some things differently and be part of a solution um, and then actively engaged? And it it's stressful in that it's um, you know it's not it's not necessarily you know when you're talking to airline about de icing, it's not something the airport doesn't de ice airplanes. You know, did could we have done a different something different in arsenal removal to make it easier on the airline ops? Is there yeah. something we could have improved? So those are the things we're trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And and we also want our all of our team to know, hey, people are talking to us. They want us to do better. We want to be better. Um, that's just where it, the kind of attitude we need to have. We're going to make mistakes, whether it's going to throw us curveballs. And, uh, you know, we're going to have icing events. We're going to have things that make our, our job very difficult. But let's, you know, come together and figure out what we could have done better after each event and, and try to implement those things. But um, it's not a traditional role sometimes for airports to take on that. Um, you know, we're not opposed to directly engaging. Sure. Um, should we need to do that? Um, any of the services that are offered at the airport? Um, mm -hmm. But it, that doesn't necessarily make sense in every case either. So we, we got to be strategic about that but uh, yeah it's maybe something unique with the size of you know the cedar rapids airport being a medium kind of non-hub yeah you, you guys are uniquely positioned to provide that extra service as opposed yeah. to a larger airport yeah for sure i mean you're not the airport's not going to do certain pieces of the airlines role at an atlanta right i mean right. uh there's a lot more resources at atlanta to manage through things than than we have so we got to work in a much uh much more cross uh divisional teams and and cross uh uh employer teams to make it come together so i think it's been working pretty well but yeah. you know there's there's always hiccups you know there's always improvements what attracted you to the airline airport industry from the beginning you've kind of been um you know in, in multiple kind of like i said in this medium kind of non-hub size airports from cheyenne yeah. appleton madison um around the midwest a bit what what attracted you to the industry from the beginning was it was it a passion of yours as a kid airplanes yeah. or is this yeah you know, it, was it a higher place so yeah it, it really started uh my first airplane ride when i was gosh i was the youngest i'm the youngest of five so we didn't take airplane trips as kids um <laughs> you know it was a road trip in a station wagon with the luggage yeah, tied down to the the roof of the car. Oh, me too. I didn't, I didn't get on a plane until college. So yeah, I, I, I was, you know, my brothers will say, you know, well, he's the youngest, so he's spoiled. <laughs> he got on an airplane when I think I was in junior high. So seventh or eighth grade was my first trip. And we went to visit my sister, who at the time was living in Newfoundland, Canada. Okay. Um, and I just um, loved it. And have, I remember vividly dropping my dad off for work with my mom, you know, as a kid at the airport in Minneapolis. And back then it was, you'd always fly uh, Republic Airlines. Um, he, he, he always referred to it as the ruptured duck, which I don't know why he called it the ruptured duck, but uh, that was his name for Republic. But um, he, so I got the aviation bug. There was really nobody in my family per se that was in aviation, uh, mm -hmm. but just was fascinated by it. So I went to the University of North Dakota uh, aviation program and started out flying. I wanted to be um, a pilot, but back then, this is, you know, late 80s, um, early 90s, there just wasn't 
the jobs available and uh, going the that route is expensive. Um, and I had I was paying my way through college bartending and waiting tables, and um, you know essentially it was just going broke trying to uh, make things work flying. And so I I switched from flying to airport administration. Um, okay. My is my actual degree, and um, you know the flying became more of a hobby. Um, that you still fly today? I, you know, I'm not current. I, I would love to get back into it. My son is, um, our son is, is very uh, interested in being a pilot. So that's, that's exciting to me to get him going in it. Uh, so maybe I'll get, get going again and flying, but um, just haven't been able to balance other uh, competing hobbies like fishing. Right. Um, so, so I haven't gotten back into it, but um, just love, um, the dynamic nature of the business. Um, you know, you, you can walk any terminal. Um, there's just a lot of emotion going on with people in a terminal, whether they're coming in for a wedding, maybe it's a reunion, maybe it's a funeral, maybe they're leaving and they just got this big business deal. Maybe they lost the big business deal. There's just a whole range of, of emotion. People you know, vacations and families and kids are excited. First trip to Disney, Absolutely. you know, so it's, uh, it's just a really dynamic um, business and just really enjoy it. And I've, I've always, you know, as you alluded to, my background is more in the small uh, hub, hub airports. Um, right. I did start out interning in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, worked at Tulsa and worked at Madison where a couple of the bigger airports, Cheyenne, what was where I got a lot of my mentorship from is out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, but, um, mm -hmm. um, just really enjoy it. You know, have no regrets from making the, the jump to airport administration. It's been a fantastic career and I feel blessed in that. Um, I love what I do. I don't know what I would do. If not this, I, I would be at a complete loss, but you know, when people talk about, you know, trying to find your passion and, and do what you love. Um, right. I feel like I've, I've I've been able to to do that. So it's been a fantastic ride. That's awesome. And you and you characterize the the airport, you know, airline aviation industry as dynamic. I guess that would be one word to describe. I'm sure what you all have been through uh, since March with the pandemic here. It's been undoubtedly a challenge. Passenger travel down as much. I think I heard at one point in time, 90, 95 percent from where it was year over year. And I think this is something we can all relate to in business now is that, you know, you had the Cedar Rapids airport rocking and rolling. I mean, there's visible improvements, amazing changes to the terminal renovations. You all just got a grant for, you know, 15 million plus on a runway uh, improvements. And there's the wings to water program, the charity program. And there's, you know, the, the airport really is a source of pride for us here in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa city area, and assumedly more goals to kind of build upon that in the future. But just, you know, in a matter of, weeks and months, uh, you know, the target has sort of changed and the yeah. goal I'm sure changed for you all. I was hoping you could kind of speak towards that in the sense of how you have managed through that, maybe some advice for others in the, in the private sector or nonprofit sector about the importance of uh, being nimble and changing goals and changing objectives and leading a team through that because you went from, uh, you know, thriving to kind of survival mode a little bit to a certain extent. So I was wondering if you could just kind of shed some light on what you all have been through the last few months during the pandemic and, and maybe what you, what you see 
here for the year and as the airline industry kind of works its way out of uh, out of the pandemic? Yeah, a um, lot packed into that question. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's been um, a crazy. It's it's been crazy. I mean, it's we are now in a in an airline planning cycle for schedules of about six weeks long. You know, it's it feels like our planning horizon, long term planning is is sixty days. Uh, Short term planning is you know two weeks is what it feels like. Yeah. You know, we're not certainly unique, and a lot of businesses are struggling. You know, the passenger traffic is is completely changed. The business traffic has has slowed way down uh, to non-existent, both here as well as nationally. You know, the thing that that we really have worked hard on as a as an organization is complete transparency with our teams. You know, when April we were down ninety percent plus, um, we're down over fifty percent. Uh, year to date, you know, this is February. You got to put it in perspective. January, we were up 20%. Yeah, you guys were rocking. February, we were up 30%. I mean, we were scrambling to add parking because our parking lot was full. I mean, we were mm-hmm. approaching numbers, um, Don and Kathy, on our team that have been here for a combined 50 years, numbers they've never even seen. I mean, um, the community was using it. We had good, we had some some positive energy behind our fly locust campaign. And it just, you know, was great. Um, yeah. And then mid-March, and we had a, a back up a second, and in early March, we had a trip to visit American Airlines um, mm-hmm. in early March. And we talked about Phoenix and how Phoenix was doing. And Phoenix had performed uh, very well. Uh, so we were very excited to get that back and, and try to grow that service. Um, and then middle of March, you know, COVID really takes hold and traffic starts drying up and things just turned on a dime. So, you know, we moved quickly to reduce a lot of our spend, you know, conserve cash, pretty traditional kind of business yeah. moves this time of year during this type of crisis. But we really also focused on, you know, transparency with all of our teams. You know, we asked both of our firefighters, public safety folks, uh, wage freezes for uh, all of our management team, wage freezes for our teamsters, our maintenance teams. Those aren't easy things to do. I mean, right. but it's also, we also need to have some accountability to our customers. And our customers aren't just the people coming through a door, Delta, American United, Frontier, Avis, Hertz, all of them, you know, SSP or restaurant concessionaire, they're our customers. I mean, right. they they are key to making us successful as well. And so they're all struggling. And certainly the restaurant had to lay a lot of people off. I mean, I, I think we just felt it would be a little bit as an organization inappropriate to not, you know, share that pain when our customers are struggling and, you know, needing, you know, rent concessions and abatements and that sort of thing. So sure. we, we started um, Zoom meetings right away with all of our teams and I, I talk, um, it started out weekly, given an, an update, you know, where are we at? What's the revenue picture look like? You, folks are, that are on the front lines where we can conserve and cut costs. I need your help. We, we gotta all come together to make this, to make it through this one. This isn't like 9-11, this isn't like the great recession. This is uncharted territory for, for our industry. 
and yeah. um, really pressed uh, our teams too to come up with we need we need the ideas we need to really get that idea flow coming from everybody. We had ideas coming in and I'd have emails coming in from people on ways to reduce costs and do things differently. And our teams are working differently, which is fantastic. But I, I think, you know, my, my big takeaway in all of this is the transparency throughout the organization from your, your policy body of the commission all the way through yeah. um, is absolutely essential. Um, yeah. that transparency it, and communication. That's something uh, I've heard yep. from people in variety of industries is that you hit it right on the head there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would echo that for sure. Um, what do you see as one or two long-term impacts? How is the airline industry or how we interact when we're at an airport? How has it changed forever because of the pandemic or has it, or is this something that's just going to be a year we get through the pandemic and things will go back to how we knew them prior? Uh, no, I don't believe things will go back to how we knew them. Um, you know, American Airlines recently announced uh, the suspension of service in 15 communities um, because of um, lack of traffic. And also, you know, all the majors, all the airlines have been talking about being smaller than mm -hmm. what they were pre-COVID. So you can't shrink the industry and the supply. Um, Without it impacting small, particularly small communities, and, and Cedar Rapids CID, you consider that to be a small community, or the yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, Des Moines is a small community in the airline arena. You know, we're we're what the, the industry would classify as a small hub. An airport like mm -hmm. Dubuque would be classified as a non-hub. Okay, medium would be a, a Omaha, large would be Minneapolis. Just to give you some uh, gauge of industry speak i guess but the airlines you know they told us it's going to be a smaller uh business so you know i think you know unfortunately americans announcement impacted two communities in iowa sioux city uh was impacted by that announcement uh albeit they have a a temporary reprieve that american service is not going to be suspended here in october but it's it's delayed till december now dubuque have received notice that they would have suspension of American service. My concern for small markets, when you have a, airlines that are smaller and less um, regionals flying, um, there's gonna be communities out there that um, may not be able to hang on to air service for their, for their marketplace. Um, sure. I think Cedar Rapids is positioned well. You know, we, we carry 30% of the, the state's total passenger volume and approximately 50% of the cargo air cargo volume of Iowa comes through Cedar Rapids. So I think we're well positioned, but we can't be complacent. We can't take it for granted. So we really need to shore up our partnerships with our customers, that being the airlines, uh, make sure our relationships and our business plan for them going forward is as strong as it can be. And in those areas that we as the airport can control. And then once we get back, we, we gotta have the business community, you know, it's it's a bit cliche to shop local because we always talk about it, but it yeah. it has never been more critical to to visit your local restaurants, your you know your your mom and pop shops, if you will, uh, your local coffee houses, those sorts of things, to keep that dynamic of our communities uh, and our downtown districts alive and well, and 
and help them through this. And the same goes for the airport. Um, sure. You know, there's choices in travel. I get that. But um, choices have consequences. And if we don't utilize our, our local air service, uh, there's nothing the airport staff or commission can do to hang on to it. Uh, we can have free landing fees, free rent. But if people aren't getting on the airplanes, we're just not going to have the service. And that has just never been more critical. You know, it's, it's vital to the, the economic ecosystem that ICAD and the EA and ICR and so many in their, our, our region work hard to promote and have a vibrant business community. Air service, our, our employers have told us, is a number three issue. Number three issue to them. Crucial. If they're going to stay mm -hmm. or relocate or grow jobs, um, it's, it's workforce, taxes, and air service. Um, so if you don't have good connectivity, it's going to be really hard to keep major employers here and have that vibrant economy. And, and the, that vibrant economy helps the nonprofits. So, you know, it's all that interconnectedness that we really have to support local. And the industry is definitely going to be different. Um, it's going to put, yeah. there's going to be a lot more pressure on small markets to maintain service. Um, sure. so it's going to be interesting to come the first of first quarter of 21, I think will be very telling. Yeah. People get back at it. I think you make a, make a great point that I don't think all of us really take a step back and appreciate how interconnected the success of our community and our economy is with the airport. I think it's a, that's a great point. Um, a couple more quick questions here before yeah. we before we wrap up. Um, Ten years from now, and this was maybe a little bit more of a pre-COVID question, but I, I guess if taking COVID, the pandemic, and all of its uh, consequences into consideration, if you were to fast forward ten years from now and and see Cedar Rapids Airport, and this is maybe more of an aspirational question, what would be maybe the most remarkable change or the most the, the biggest improvement that all of us travelers may recognize from the airport? If you had your way, in a perfect <laughs> world, what, what's What's that big picture goal that, that if we step into the airport in 2030, uh, how will it be different? Huh. Um, I think, well, you'd, you'd have a, a vibrant terminal with our new restaurant, the High Porch. After Hayden Fry's uh, High Porch picnic, we've got the High Porch open. Yep. Uh, Is that open now? You know, we, just took, we just took the walls down on it last week. So okay. it's really pretty cool placemaking. We got great visuals of the Iowa wave on the wall and really oh, cool. trying to give the region and visitors coming in why we all love to work, play and reside here. Um, so that's really been part of our terminal strategy. So in 10 years, we would be done with the terminal project, which would be fantastic. We would have our final phase four completed, uh, which is um, you know, right now in hiatus with COVID. We haven't started design on that phase four. Uh, but we'd have that done. We had added a couple more jetways. Our administration offices would move from our current facilities into the terminal um, itself so that we can be, as, as administrators, more accountable and also be in a position to, to get out and about more um, mm -hmm. and, and, and talk uh, with, with our travelers than being a separate facility. Uh, I think yeah. it can help us on some service recovery uh, opportunities as they happen a little easier. Um, Air Cargo would have been completely relocated. So from here between the terminal and the tower where we have UPS facility expansions are underway right now as we speak. 
and they'll be okay. relocating uh, here this spring. The second follow on to that would be DHL. We would have a new fixed based operator up and running um, our location on the West Apron uh, over mm -hmm. by FedEx. You know, we'd see some transition in that facility space that it's uh, uh, meets the, the quality of the facility we have in the terminal. We want that private aircraft experience to be top notch and facilities and service um, as well. Okay. And uh, that goes along the lines of, you know, our sports teams and the charters. A lot of chartered mm -hmm. activity comes through our doors. We really want to have a great Hawkeye experience on the way out. And when a yep. team comes in, we want to know they've landed at the home of the Hawkeyes before they even get on the bus. Yeah. So we want to remind them after they get their butt whipped where <laughs> that's they're, right. they're flying out of too, right? So we can, that's right. One, one last reminder. One last too. reminder. Um, get in their head as soon as they hit the ground, man. Um, I like it. But really, it's about placemaking and owning yeah. our place and, and embracing it and sharing it with, and, and really uh, working first and last impression. First right? and last yeah. impression. And, you know, not having not grown up in Iowa, I, I can tell you, I had my, my ideas what it was going to be like before we came. In fact, uh, we came for a long weekend before I even put my application in because we're like, well, <laughs> let's go check it out before we get carried away and put my resume in. So sure. we just loved it. But I think yep. it's very, I think, surprising for people if they're not from here. And we want to start that aha shock, if you will, surprise uh, for them as soon as they, whether it's a business or uh, aircraft operator, private aircraft operator are coming in on the commercial side. So really transform that experience across yep. the campus. And then I would love to see some activity in our super park, which is um, yeah, something a... we continue to, to work at, um, you know, get some job growth going and be part of that overall broader economic impact in that space. So I'd love to be able to see, say our first building up and operational in the next 10 years would be great. That's awesome. Last question here, and I'm a I'm a big logistics guy. Whenever I travel, my wife always gives me a hard time because I'm the guy, I'm looking for every little like traveler hack, right? Every little traveler <laughs> tip. So coming, I want the insider. You know, no one knows an airport air travel better than you. What's one thing that everyone looking for a more successful uh, airport travel flight experience? What's what's one or two things that everybody should be doing? Like, give, give me a little bit of insider hack information here. The book online uh, for sure. Do every automate everything. Have your mobile boarding pass on your phone. Uh, people still call into the airport. Like, look, hey, can I buy it? Buy oh a yeah, ticket or oh yeah. You can go on the eight hundred number and still uh, go the. Uh, I guess you call it old fashioned way now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, do you know carry on? Be as efficient in your carry on uh, as possible. Take full advantage. I would say of valet parking. Pull up curbside. Okay. You know, let us take care of it. You don't have to take the hassle of trying to find the parking spot. I like that. You can arrange for that ahead of time. So literally, you just pull up to the curb, hop out. Our guest service officer, uh, or rep, excuse me, will meet you at the curb, and they'll take your car. They'll have it uh, at the curbside when you come back. Um, you know, and then I, I think the biggest thing for people, quite honestly, isn't it's just relax. You know, relax. Yeah. Travel, especially <laughs> with families, yeah. uh, can be stressful. Just getting out of the house on time. Yeah. I would say, you know, if, if you're like like us, you know, we cut it close all the time. I would set that alarm clock uh, 30 minutes uh, a little earlier than what you normally would. 
breathing room. Yeah. Yeah, and just relax. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. There's weather. There's aircraft. I mean, there's there's just a lot of things that can happen. You know, everybody wants to get you there safely. You know, if some sometimes things happen. I would just say, hey, relax. And if you've got your mobile app, um, your ability to rebook and deal with rebooking all on your own through one, regardless of the airline, they all have them. You can do it all on your own, a hundred percent faster than trying to stand in line um, for when disruptions occur and rebooking. So if you don't have right. your airline mobile app, I, I would say that's probably one of the number one things one. to do to, to just streamline your experience. All right, Marty, we like to finish up these conversations with kind of some rapid fire questions here. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. Just kind of the first thing that comes to mind, how much of your success, you know, getting to your place in your career, would you contribute to uh, luck or hard work? Oh, a lot of hard work. I, I was a hard work student, paid my own way through school. Uh, I think the hard work allows luck to uh, present itself. If given the chance, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Uh, I would own a bank store in Northwoods, Wisconsin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and go off the grid. <laughs> you, got a, you got a favorite lake up there? Yeah, absolutely. I know you're a big fisherman. Yeah, yeah, we go. In fact, I was just there last weekend going there again this weekend. My my sister lives up in that area. My brother's got a lake place. So we spent a lot of time on uh, Tiger Cat and Lost Land Lake, Teal Lake, uh, Chippewa Flowage, Nelson Lake. Those are the ones we're probably on the most. But awesome. I I think it would be a tough go, but I'd love to give it a shot. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. <laughs> How about a business leader? Is there someone you've looked up to during your career? My mentor, without question, was a guy by the name of Jerry Olson out in Cheyenne. We had some similar experience in college and bartending. We both bartended at similar bars at the University of North Dakota. Uh, he unfortunately passed away young to pancreatic cancer, but an unbelievable mentor, a guy that could just get stuff done, a guy I really look up to and and in quiet times really ask, you know, look out for, you know, what would Jerry do or, you know, yeah. Jerry, give me some inspiration here. Um, how about a TV show or podcast? Is there something that you're <laughs> diving into? Uh, gosh, you know, you get down those Netflix binges from time to time, but haven't been on one recently. Outlander, I guess, was a recent binge, but yeah. on a consistent basis, try to tune into Seinfeld. There you go. A little, a little brevity in this day and age. Yeah, a little. Yeah, Doesn't absolutely. Hurt, right? um, Good humor. And this is probably uh, extra critical for you, knowing all the complexities of running an airport. But if you had 30 extra minutes in your day, what would you do with it? <laughs> I'd probably try to fish. <laughs> yeah. Get, get the line wet a little bit. And, yeah. try, try to get on the lake a little more. Yeah. You, where's your fishing spot uh, around the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area? Uh, we go to Pleasant Creek over at Palo. We like to chase muskie. Oh, nice. You know, we fish in a muskie tournament up in Hayward in October every cool. every year, although this October it's canceled uh, with COVID. But Gosh, we've probably have been doing that for 30 years. Uh, how about a book? Is there a business book or a book in particular that's been influential uh, in your career or something you've read lately? Well, I'm just, you know, there's a couple, an author I probably have read a lot of, of his stuff is C.J. Box. I actually got to serve on a convention visitor bureau board in Cheyenne, and C.J. Box was on that board. So, okay. and it's set in Wyoming in the Mountain West. So I, to read a lot of his stuff. His stuff is great. Okay, and last but not least, uh, if you had one sentence, how would you define success? Well, you know, 
I think it makes me think of a, a, a longtime family priest that was just very inspirational in our family. Uh, my parents were very close with, and he baptized our kids and uh, was our, pat, you know, our, our priest when we got married. We think he married uh, my brother as well. Um, he would sum it up, even in the sermon during the wedding, he would say, in this order, God, spouse, family, work. I think that's a constant struggle for me. Um, I think it's something I'm always trying to work on mm-hmm. um, and be better at. But when I think of that, I, I it, you know, it harkens me back to that. I, I know, you know, I mentioned Jerry, my my mentor, when he was sick with cancer, talking to him a lot. He would he would you know, talked a lot about kids and the time he spent with kids, coaching baseball yeah. and his family a lot. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the work stuff he was hitting on. It, was, it wasn't the work stuff. It, no. it was balancing work and family and all of that. And it's really hard to do. I think we all probably at times get the order a little bit out of whack, but, yep. uh, trying to recenter on that all the time is something, something I certainly try to strive to do every day. Yep. That's great. Great insight. Well, Marty, thanks so much as someone that spent a lot of time, um, in airports all over the the United States, uh, I know, uh, you know, our Cedar Rapids airport and the one here locally is a is a great uh, source of pride for a lot of us. And the last five years on your tenure, it's shown tons of improvement. And there isn't anybody better to help uh, see us through the challenges that the pandemic is bringing the industry right now, too. So, certainly appreciate all of your hard work and uh, appreciate your time to chat. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Appreciate uh, the opportunity. Thanks. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.